Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara, live via Zoom alongside Michael McNamara from sunny Florida. Uh, we're talking about bonds today. Uh, get rich, get braver or poor is our official title for the for today's uh, show. Uh, And if you have any questions about bonds, about really anything from a financial point of view, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, We're live in the Merrimack Valley today. Telephone number is 978-454-4980. Again, that's 978-454-4980. If you want to submit a question online, if that's easier for you, uh, you can email us at questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Calm. All right. Are we transitioning into? No, we still have some bond stuff to do. We're not, oh, we're not heavens, going to the stock market heavens, yet. my son. Oh, we can't even get there yet. Okay, this is looking <laughs> like this is going to be a two-part show, show, folks. But yeah, from from Justin's point of view, that means it doesn't have to do any work next That's week. Right. So that'll be okay. Easier for uh, me. Anyway, so folks, let me. Uh, if you just tuned in, let me kind of give you a quick, quick, big summary. Okay. Yep. Um, we're going to talk about stocks, bonds, and and what you should own uh, or what you should think about in, in the current world. And and uh, the first part of the show is to uh, make a very clear point that whatever you have thought about bonds as investments for the last 25 or 30 years is out the window. Uh, and bonds are now very low yielding and probably more risky investments than they have been in a very long period of time. Yep. Uh, and the, the, the macroeconomic point here is that um, it, however you happen to be mixed with stocks and bonds in your portfolio, I think we're going to have lower returns in stocks and bonds going forward. And then if, you, if you're going to stay with your portfolio, you need to have to project out some lower returns and probably you're looking backwards on. Okay. Yep. Uh, and if you're not going to stay with your portfolio, probably somewhat decreasing your bond position, not eliminating it, and probably somewhat increasing your stock position will enhance your returns probably with absolutely some more risk. Did I say that okay, my son? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. So so when it comes to the investment sort of recommendation part of this, obviously we're, you know, these are these are generic in nature because we don't, you know, we're not working with you, with our listeners one-on-one. Uh, but, you know, I, I think 
we're we're trying to point out an issue and uh and you know it's something that you'll need to figure out how to handle on your own as far as what you do about it right i mean you know from from our point of view we have been you know as interest rates have trended down over the years right we we continue we continually revisit our assumptions via our financial planning software right so you know when when we say oh we're going to have low bond you know low bond yields means lower investment returns well we we address that by saying well if we get into a situation where interest rates are sort of rising over a period of time versus falling like they have been for the last 20 30 years well we should probably address that by by forecasting some lower rates of return on our investment portfolios in our financial planning software right and and you know we certainly have done this i think i don't know we didn't I don't think we marked the dates, but uh, if you think about us 10 years ago and the projections that we were making in, say, a balanced portfolio, we it was probably we were projecting like a 6% return. Uh, fast forward you know, to five years ago, I think we had dropped it to somewhere around five and a half. And now currently, when we're forecasting a balanced portfolio return, uh, we're using a 5% number as far as our rate of return goes. So, you know, we're doing this in real time with our clients and, and you know, we, 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 do, we sort of take a sober look at the current uh, at, at the current investment landscape and say, hey, you know, you know, if we ran a plan for you 10 years ago, we may have used these set of assumptions. Well, guess what? Things have changed. And now we're going to update those. So, I, you know, this is informational and for people to do their own version of that. Right. I mean, you can yeah. you can address that in any any number of ways. If we're right and you're going to get lower returns, well, maybe you need to take on more risk. But you could also assess your life and say, oh, you know what? Hey, I can I think I can live with those uh, with those lower returns yep. because yep. for whatever the reason is, because my spending isn't as high as I thought it was going to be or because we've seen so much appreciation. Right. I mean, if you if you look back and I was just while you were doing the long term bond example last time yep. around where yep. where you could you know, you could lose, I, I think, what was it? Twenty two percent. Yeah. In, uh, you know, if if rates jumped on you. Well, the alternative to that is what we've seen over the last 10 years. Right? I, I just looked up the van, you know, because it's investable, the Vanguard long-term treasury ETF, uh, ticker VGLT. It's up 111% over the last 10 years. Yeah. Which, so that's which like is, 10 point. Yeah. Basically 10.1% a year. Right. But by the way, how much of that is the actual interest? Right. And how much of that is the actual <laughs> growth and value because interest rates went lower? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. it's appreciate the, the appreciation on it. You know, it, it's it's up ten percent over the past year, and again, most of that is not the interest because the interest, as you mentioned, you know, it, I don't know where it was a year ago, but uh, it certainly wasn't at ten percent a year ago, uh, and now it's at one point, you know, like one point eight five. Uh, but you know that you have seen right, and if I look back three years, again, it's up just over thirty over thirty one percent for the last three years. So I mean you have seen some appreciation in your portfolio. The good news is that as we are, you know, potentially transitioning into lower projections going forward, it's it's at least nice that it comes on the heel heels of some appreciation behind us. Yeah. All right. So now yeah. hopefully you have more money that's earning lower returns and maybe that's a okay. But I, yeah. I just well we're saying don't bank on that appreciation going forward, folks. Correct. That's, that's what we're saying. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think and I think that's, that makes sense. If you look at you know the if you look at returns on really anything you know stocks bonds whatever it is you don't generally see you know lo- you know long periods of overperformance followed by more long periods of overperformance right every everything sort of reverts to the mean usually and if you if you have outperformance in one period then you you tend to maybe see some underperformance going forward so not unusual and uh, hopefully it's something that we you know we're just trying to give you the information and allow yeah. you to make the decision that works best right for you. if you if you're going to stay with whatever percentage of bonds that you have expect yep. lower returns yep. and if you're thinking about leaving we're going to give you some reasons why you might consider that anyway so, so um and very quickly if you just tuned in okay yep. that the return that you get from your investment well that's it's you know i earned five percent of my money that's your gross return but you have to keep in mind that you have to pay taxes and income on that return and what you get to keep is the only money you can spend it's called real return okay uh and the total return in bonds is pretty much going to be from the interest rates going forward for a while i don't think they're going to be a pretty in appreciation so so by the way so if there are some folks that that have bonds have a lot of them or a good chunk of them and they're saying no i'm not gonna i, I still want to hang on to some bonds well so what what can you do in your portfolio to get more interest 
okay, to, to offset you know, what, what may be some lower yielding bonds. And by the way, all of these suggestions involve some, some measure of risk, folks. But we're going to go over what people might be thinking about yep. in terms of hanging on to bond-like stuff, okay, as opposed to buying some more. Okay, so, so, so the, the first thing, you know, people do uh, is, well, geez, I'm not earning much in my bonds I need to go get some more yield. And by the way, when you chase more yield, you're taking on more risk, okay? So we'll use the 10-year treasury right now as an example. Absolutely guaranteed, no risk. Well, we could argue about that, but officially we can say guarantee with regard to treasuries. Uh, As guaranteed as the U.S. government is, yeah. There you go. Okay, paying 1.1%. Well, some people might say, where can I get some bonds that pay higher returns? Well, we have, we, we, we officially call them high yield bonds, bonds that pay more money. They're also known as junk bonds, because if you're a company and you have to pay higher interest okay, to, to, on your bonds, that means you're not as safe or as, as uh, secure as, as other things. So Justin, there's, there's a high yield bond investment or a number of them that people can make. Okay. Yep. And what's the one you're looking at right now, by the way? Uh, I mean, I think, I think the most, I don't know exactly if it's the most common, but the, you know, the, the one that I see out there, it's the ticker is JNK. So, uh, you know, play on a uh, play on junk. Uh, it's the spider. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Spider yep. Bloomberg Barclays high yield bond ETF. So that's yep. one that we ha- we use uh, for some clients and uh, you know, it's, it's fairly well known and it's been around for a long time. Uh, so I have those, if you can see my screen, I don't know if it's, if it's showing up large, you know, large. Yeah, enough, you you can just summarize, but folks, yeah. so, so here's the deal. I'm only getting 1.1. I need some more yield. Okay. I'm going to go look for some other alternatives. So, so what is, by the way, we're not recommending this folks. We're showing you as an example of what people might do. So what's the current yield on this junk bond investment? The current yield is 3.8%, right? The, the, the one year, the 12 month average is 5.11, but the Whoa. current yield as of, as of the most recent, recent dividend yeah. uh, is 3.8%. That's called the 30-day SEC. Okay. So, so by the way, so it's three and a half times more interest than a 10-year treasury. Yep. Yep. Whoa, solve my life's problems. Well, folks, there is no free lunch in the investment world. If you decide to put all your bond money in a high yield junk bond fund, that would be very unwise because those companies aren't as stable aren't as big, aren't as trustworthy, okay, as the U.S. government. And when markets crash, okay, they plummet in value and act more like plummet. I, I don't get to use exciting words too often, but, you know, plunge. That's what people would say in the newspaper, right? Only in your episode titles. Yeah, yeah Justin. Yeah. So what, what's that uh, What's that little so hiccup I see there? What, what while is that? You're, yeah, so while you're talking, uh, again, we're, we're referring to – uh, JNK, the spider, the spider Bloomberg Barclays high yield bond ETF. Uh, it, it was down. Let's see. I'm going to get the exact number here. So between when did this start here? The high of February 20th. So we're pre COVID. Yeah. Uh, February 20th. And what's that? That is March 20th. So about a month it's down 19 point. I'm sorry. Nope. No, it was down almost 23%. Jeez, if we annualize that, Just, what would that be? (laughs) (laughs) Folks, are you listening here? If you're going to reach for more yield, you're taking on more risk. Just understand that. Okay. No free lunch. No free lunch. You know, full and full disclosure, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the performance, it has recovered, right? And so that same ETF is now higher than it was um, before the pandemic started, right? So we yeah. are, you know, the price was at, uh, I, don't, I don't exactly know the exact Justin, price. Justin, go back to 2007, 8, 9. Can you do that on this? Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Where's the max? Around? Try that. Yep. Perfect. I do have it. So I yeah. have it. So what's it? So the last time we had a mess, how'd it do? Oh, it was hmm, those down look like, those at look the like, highest, yeah, thirty 
almost 36%. Oh, okay. Are you listening, folks? Temporarily. Okay. Like no, we always say with our stocks. I know it. But by the way, <laughs> yeah. no less exciting than owning stocks or not much less exciting than owning stocks. Yeah. My, my point is more return, more risk. Oh, oh well, if, if, if you're nervous about that, then, okay, uh, let, let's do what, what's called a bond ladder. You want to yeah. explain that briefly, my son? Sure. I mean, well, and yeah, just just to go back, you know, all bonds are not created equal, right? I mean, and when you when you are thinking about uh, owning bonds, you know, your sort of classic bond investor is someone who's conservative, and you know, as you reach for yield, you know, you can reach for more and more yield in the bond world, but then you you get more and more risk, and you get more and more sort of more and more stock market like in your uh, in your volatility. Uh, yeah, uh, you want me to explain a bond ladder? Well, by the way, do do a simple one with three bonds and pick a time frame so I can make some comments on it. Okay. Sure. So a bond ladder is, you know, as the name suggests, it is a it's you're buying different bonds and they'll be at different maturities, right? So you might buy a, uh, and I guess I should step back to the reason that you would do it. You know, the reason that you would buy a bond ladder is because you have different rates of return, generally speaking at different maturity levels, but you also have different risks, right? When, when we talked about how, how we'll, we'll do the extreme example, right? Because we've already talked about a few of these returns, right? So you could do a 30-year U.S. Treasury, and you would normally, again, under normal circumstances, get a, get a fairly substantial rate of return for tying your money up for 30 years, right? So, you know, in the old days, you might have bought a 30-year Treasury bond, and it maybe it was paying 7%. Well, you'd say, well, that's great. I like 7%, but uh, I don't like maybe the volatility that comes along with that because any anytime you're you know any adjustment in interest rates over the next 30 years is going to change that the price of that bond pretty substantially so i'm going to have a higher returning bond in my 30 year treasury but i'm also going to have more volatility and so i don't want to put all my money at risk that much. I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to be losing potentially whatever it is, 10, 20% of my, uh, of my account value when interest rates rise. So I'm only going to put some of my money into my 30 year bond, right? I'll do, I'll do a third of it in my 30 year bond. And then I'm going to go buy a 10 year U S treasury for a third of my, uh, for a third of my investment. And, you know, I'll get a lower return. Yep. Uh, you know, I'll get my one point, whatever it is now, you know, 1.15, and I'll have still less volatility, which will be nice. So I'll get a lower return and lower volatility. And then uh, I'll buy, you know, I'll buy a, a one-year government bond for the the rest of the, the other third of my money. And I, you know, I won't make a whole lot of money. But then again, I don't have to worry about any any substantial volatility either, right? You know, the short, you know, the shorter your bond is, the less sensitive it is to interest rates and, and sort of market movements. Yeah, so that's your classic bond ladder. And you just hold on to those until yeah. they mature and roll them. Okay, so yeah, so you're let's ta go. you're taking out your you know your your, your your risks are you're spreading out your risks um, based on the time frame that you're buying. And, and, you know, a more classic version is you might buy a one to ten, right? So you yeah. know, the, the real I was I was doing a simplified example, but you might yeah. buy a you could buy a bond at every year increment for the next ten years, and then as your one year bond matures, you go ahead and buy another ten, and you just continue to go that way. And, yeah. and you know, in doing so, what you what you have is you spread out your risks, and you know, your short term bonds don't you know, don't generally lose a whole heck of a lot. And then, you know, every time you buy your new bond, your new, your new 10 year bonds, you have a new interest rate cycle. So you're kind of averaging out those returns and not having all of your risk in, so in one uh, maturity basket. Yeah. But you just, that, you, so, right. so you might, you might be thinking about lessening it in some respects, but okay, you're just trading some risks for other risks. Okay. If yep. you hold, if, if number one, if you hold a bond till maturity, your purchasing power, is an issue, okay, in terms of when you get it back. But anyway, let's sure. do the one, five, and 10. I'm looking at uh, Yahoo Finance. Okay. Uh, a 13-week bill is seven-tenths of a percent. I don't know. Let's call it a tenth of a percent to make up a one-year bill. One-year bill is a tenth of a percent. A 10-year bill is 1.09. Uh, a five-year bill is 0.43. And a 10-year bill is 1.09. You can't live on that yep. bond ladder. Nope. Okay. The risk is you just don't go out to eat anymore and take vacations, folks. Okay. Here's your, your one year. I don't know what a one year treasury bill is, but the 13 week bill is seven tenths of a percent. The five year bill is worth 0.43. Oh, let's, let's say the one year bill is two tenths of a percent. So for one year, you get two tenths of a percent. For five years, you get 0.43%. And for 10 years, you get 1.11. Can you live on that, folks? Okay. Is that all you're going to be withdrawing? 
from your bond portfolio. That's the first first question. That's a risk, isn't it? Not, Not on paper. It doesn't show up in your statement. Okay. The second part is that there's a purchasing power risk. You know, on your 10-year treasuries, when they give you back your $1,000, what's it worth? What's it buy compared? And then last but not least, if people are doing bond ladders, do you think they're going to actually stay the course? Okay, when they get their statements and see what their bonds are worth and see how they're doing? Okay, so so folks, you're just trading some risks for other risks. But if you can do a one, five and a 10 year bond ladder and live on less than one and a half percent, then go for it. Yeah. Okay. but just understand no free lunch. You traded some risks for other risks. Okay. you just need to make informed decisions about which risks you're comfortable with. That's all. Okay. so wait a minute. So, okay, I'm just going to go to cash because I'm afraid that bond rates are going to go higher. Well, they are going to go higher. Okay. And yep, cash. But, but is when, a, right? Yeah. But but when and <laughs> yeah. how much and how long? Yeah. And cash is paying one tenth of a percent. So if you put all your money in cash and earn one tenth of a percent on all your money, can you live on that? No, you're eating into your principal. Given the, there's no there's no win here, folks. It's just a question of what you want to trade for, given yeah. the circumstances. So going to cash, and by the way, oh, I'll just hold my boat. My my, you know, if you could get a good bond rate today. I'll just hold it to maturity. Well, okay. Chances are, you know, you don't know what's going to happen to the price in the meantime, but then you just traded for purchasing power risk. Okay. You know, if you take 2% inflation or 3% inflation for 10 or 15 years, when they hand you back your thousand dollars, what can you buy with it? Okay. And how's that going to work from there? So just, just understand that folks, we're not making any predictions. We just want you to understand it. Okay. Yep. Uh, it, it is. Yeah. And we should, I, I should reiterate that you can, if you go buy an individual bond, uh, you do not have to worry about, uh, and you're not going to sell it, right? If you can buy a bond and hold it to maturity, yep. then you do not have to worry about the volatility, assuming, you know, assuming the, 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 your, the person you've lent your money to or the, or the institution is credit worthy, right? Yeah. If you, if you go buy a 10 year government bond and you just hold it, you will get your money back at the end and it'll be guaranteed. And even if interest rates were, you know, were, were wild that entire 10 years and, and your you know, the, the current net asset value of your bond was fluctuating, it didn't necessarily mean anything to you if you plan to hold it. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. my question would be, can you live on that money? Right. And if not, where are you going to get it from? Yeah. Oh, my, my, my money is guaranteed, but I'm taking 5% a year from my 1% a year investment. Okay. Yeah. Where's that going folks? Okay. You just, you just need to understand folks. You, you know, you need to understand all of the risks and what you traded for and how they work. And you make your decisions as simple as that. Okay. So, so basically we're back after 90 minutes to, well, Okay, you can do any of those things with your bonds, or you can say, well, maybe instead of having a 60% stock and a 40% bond strategy, okay, yeah, I, I buy what these guys, this guy McNamara is thinking, it's probably not going to be good. You know, maybe I'll go to 40%, maybe I'll go from uh, 60%, 40%, maybe I'll go to 30% bonds, okay, and 70% stocks, okay, that's, yep. that, that, that involves more risk. By the way, stock returns, we'll get to that, I guess, next week, they're going to be lower too, folks, but they're going to be a lot higher than bond returns for the next five or 10 years, my guess, given the circumstances, okay? So stock returns are going lower too. We got, you know, part two of the deal here coming up probably, you know, now and into next week. But the bottom line is, okay, you need to decide if you want to do things like look for higher yielding bonds or do a bond lottery or go to cash or hold it to maturity. Okay? Yeah. If the world is paying one or 2%, None of those. You, if you're a saver and you're not yet retired, how's your retirement plan looking if you're earning 1% on your money, one and a half or two? And by the way, after inflation, nothing. How, yeah. How's that looking? Or if you take an income, how's that looking? You know, you have to weigh the risk of how much you have to take from that versus your return as well. Okay. Yep. We don't know a lot of people who can own 100% bonds and live just on their interest and be, live happily ever after, folks. Okay. And, and there aren't a whole lot of them listening to this show right now, as far as I'm concerned, which yep. means you got to own some stocks. And by the way, maybe more than you thought in the past. Okay. Uh, 
Whew. Okay. I, I just about time for a break coming up in a minute or so, Jess. You yeah, want, you want to, and we can change over to the stock world. I think in the next moment or two. But any summary comments from your point of view or thoughts, sir? Yeah, I, you know what we we talk about. We, I think we just we talk about trade offs all the time, and you know this is just a basically a big show about what the trade off is going to be with regard to your investing investing strategy. And, and it's, I think it's, you know, part of me is uh, I think it's a shame, and and part of me gets sort of mad at the at policymakers who are. Uh, who are really to, at this point mostly driving the low rates that we're that we're seeing and and yep. you know savers and people who want to be conservative, uh, I think are are sort of maybe rightly frustrated at times, right? I mean, you know, it's we're at the point now where where it's I can't go a week without without someone reaching out and saying, hey, you know, where can I get some yield, right? You know, my you know yep. your, your bank account's paying nothing, CD yep. rates are almost you know are very very low, and I get this question all the time, and you know it's historically. It's been well, you know. You know, the next step up from maybe a you know a savings or a CD is a, is a bond portfolio, and the reality is that it's really not paying a whole heck of a lot. And you know, and oftentimes for folks with guaranteed investments, um, you know, we, we got to make a decision and say, hey, do do you do you want to take on any volatility for? You know, for for the extra return that you might get in a bond, right? I mean, do you do you want your 025 percent CD for one year, or or your you know your short term bond market index that might be a little bit volatile, that's going to pay uh, 0.35 percent, right? It's yep. it's a very very difficult place to be, and and you know we're just going to talk about you know continue to talk about what the trade offs yep. that you that you're going to have to make are, the, and, and some the, you know the, yep these ain't your grandmother's or your grandfather's bonds, and we have to take a break, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara talking about bonds and the trade-offs that you're all going to have to make uh, with your investments going forward. If you have any questions, um, give us a call. Uh, we're live in the Merrimack Valley today, 978-454-4980. That's 978-454-4980. Uh, if you want to submit a question online, if that's easier for you, you can email us questions at McNamaraOnMoney.com. Calm. All right. Are we getting into stocks yet? Yeah. So I spent the last ninety minutes or, or uh, portfolio. Well, I guess we're well, we doing stocks and then and then yeah. diversified strategies. Yeah. And, the portfolio stuff comes last. That's like uh, the grand finale or something like that. You know. Okay. Yep. So, uh, folks. So this is looking like a definitely a two-show uh, agenda here, folks, without question. So we, we spent. Well, I spent the first ninety minutes uh, telling you that it's a new world of bonds and that they ain't your grandmother's or grandfather's bonds and there's more risk in the bond market than there's been in a long time and you can't live on just the income. That was like the short story. Okay, uh, I'm going to spend the next half an hour uh, trying to scare you about stocks too, okay, because they have their risks and they're more stock, more risky than stock, more than bonds. But I'm also going to tell you that the only way you've made money in your portfolio, if you look backwards uh, over the long run, is by owning a bunch of stocks, and that ain't going to change. Uh, the, the, the risk level and change, the risk level involved in stocks probably going forward is the same as it's going backwards. Okay. That's not the case for, for bonds. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, you, it, we're suggesting that you might consider talking to your financial advisor and saying, can I, should I own a few less percentages of bonds in my portfolio and more stocks and what's that involved and how's that work? Okay. Uh, they, they are certainly risky. We're going to spend some time about that, but you get paid for taking risk and the real return. But by the way, how, how do you get wealthy folks or how do you preserve your wealth? You have your money make more than taxes and inflation take away from you. Okay. That's been pretty easy to do if you're a long-term investor in the stock market for many, 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 many years. And I mean, long-term, we'll get to that. Okay. It's going to be pretty darn hard to do in the bond market going forward. So, all right, so let's have some fun. We'll spend, so we'll, we'll scare them just enough that they'll have to turn in next time we have this show, Justin, what do you think? Or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So let's take a look at stocks and you're right. The, the last part of the show will be, well, what the heck am I going to do and what's it going to look like? And are, are there things in my life I can do to make yeah. the best of, you know, can I make some lemonade out of lemons in the stock and bond world for the next few years is the short question. Okay, here we go. Um, so there are a bunch of risks when you own stocks. Okay, there's like 
12 different ones and nine of them are academic and yeah, somewhat ap applicable. But if you own mutual funds or exchange traded funds with bunches of stocks, you got two main risks, folks. Okay. Or, or if you own stock, they're volatility and default. Okay. When anybody talks about the stock market, okay, the two huge risks are, well, in, in order, default and volatility. Okay. So let, let's take a moment to try to, to deal with those. Okay. Um, if you own one stock in your retirement plan, and by the way, Justin, I've known several folks over my lifetime that, that have done that and that that's all they own. Okay. Uh, you know, if, if you own one stock and the company goes out of business, you have a small problem with your retirement plan. Mm -hmm. If you own five stocks and one of them goes out of business, default, zip, zero, whatever, you got a problem with your retirement plan. Okay. Okay. The catastrophic risk, catastrophic he said, with quotes around it, risk, owning a company is default because out of business. Okay, well, how do you protect against that? Easy. You own hundreds, if not thousands of companies and diversify that risk away by the numbers. So it's pretty uncomplicated. If you have a collection of stocks, whether it's in the form of a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund, okay, there are probably hundreds if not thousands of stocks inside that fund or that exchange. How many stocks are in that OTC uh, ETF, Justin? Oh, man. I, like 3,000, uh, something yeah, I like think that? It's 3, you mean the extended market index? Yeah, the extended market, like three or 4,000 companies, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. I, th I think so. I can check on that while we're talking. Yeah, yeah, while I'm pontificating here. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, folks, the, the bottom line is it's pretty simple. If you own 1,000 stocks and one of them goes out of business, you didn't know about it. Okay, so the, the catastrophic risk in the stock market is absolutely positively the easiest one to fix or diversify away to negligible, yep. okay, is do the numbers, folks. Own a bunch of them, okay? Uh, I'm 72 years old and have never in my life owned an individual stock. And I made it this far, folks. Okay, uh, I have a portfolio just like most people listening to this, this this show right now. Combination of stock and bond mutual funds, and there are thousands of stocks and hundreds, if not thousands, of bonds in my portfolio, as should be the case with yours. Okay, so default is a non-issue. Okay, or almost a non-issue or a minimal risk, if I want to be official. Okay, uh, as long as you own bunches and bunches and bunches of them, and we've been recommending that for many, many moons. Yes, if you just own Tesla, you'd be a millionaire or Bitcoin. Okay, but for every one success story, there are ten thousand. Oops, I lost all my money stories. So get over it, folks. Don't yep. be greedy. Okay, don't try to beat the market. Just take what the markets give you. So what do you get up there, my son? Vanguard Extended Market Index ETF, yeah, uh, three thousand two hundred and thirty-nine stocks in it. All right, so if you have thirty-two hundred stocks, and if you own the S and P five hundred index in there, that takes it to thirty-seven hundred stocks, right? Yep. Okay, and, and what's the international uh, ETF? How many companies are in the big blue chip EFI? Take a moment. Ooh, so, so we're up to thirty-seven hundred stocks and two mutual funds, right? Yep. Okay. And if you throw the international one in, I think there's a couple hundred in there, Justin, but I'm not sure. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll hum up. Mar what do you we'll got? We'll do emerging markets and, uh, oh, yeah. Please and do. Yeah, yeah. international. Okay. Too. Yeah. So we're up I to can... 3,700. Yep. All right. Uh, Vanguard developed markets yep. ETF. We'll use Vanguard here. We used iShares a little bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, the developed markets ETF has 3,949. So 3,949 stocks in it. Yep. Okay. And uh, their emerging markets uh, is 4,083. All right. Okay. Hang so on a almost, second. I think I would say it's probably almost 12,000 stocks. 3,700. I'm rounding 3,949 and 4,083. Yeah. Yeah. We are talking about with those four little mutual funds. Okay. 12, 13, 11, 12,000 stocks. Hello, folks. You don't probably have to worry about default. If you have that many stocks in your portfolio, only only a qualifier if we go back to the Stone Age and the world implodes. But other than that, I don't think you have to much worry about default in the stock market. Okay, so the the lesser risk, but the one that's more deadly, 
for investors that don't understand it is the volatility risk. Okay. Okay, folks, volatility is the upward and downward price movement of a security. How's that for an official definition, Justin? You like that? Well, like yeah. Huh? Okay. Concise. Or concise. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, my the, the, my stocks and my stock market portfolio, they go up or down. Yes, they do, folks. They go up or down. Okay. Uh, by the way, over the long run, uh, they, they only go up one way. We'll get to that in a minute, or at least they have through yesterday. Okay. Uh, but anyway, okay, the, the volatility is what makes people crazy and do dumb things. Okay. Yep. So- I'll, I'll do my, you've heard this a million times, my son, but I'll do it one more time. And we'll, we'll buy an individual stock just to make it simple. We don't recommend it. You buy an individual stock for $10, okay? Uh, a week or two weeks later, it goes down to $5 because something bad happened to the company, okay? Okay, yep. you sell it, you're off 50% in value. The volatility is, you're down half. You sell your stock at $5. You just guaranteed yourself a loss of 50%. Okay. And yep, that was a loss caused by that stock market volatility. Okay. Okay. Uh, if that stock, if you didn't sell that stock and it went to zero, you, you lost all your money. But if you didn't sell that stock and it recovered, okay, let's see. I bought the stock for 10. Uh, the world falls apart because of an election. It's down to five. And a year or two later, it's 15 because it recovered. The world got better and everything is all right. So if you bought it for $10, it went to five, you did nothing and held it till it was 15. Okay, that, that dip, that downward volatility, it was a temporary downward movement in the price of your security looking backwards. Okay, you own the, the the short story, folks, is it's only a loss if you make it so, and or if it goes to zero after you sell, then you're really smart because you sold it at five versus zero. Okay, okay, so, so th that volatility is just the up and down movements, folks. Get, get that, that's how it is. Okay, yep. okay, in 40 years in this business, nobody has ever complained to me about upward volatility in their stock portfolio. Nobody, mm -hmm. how about you, Josh? Anybody ever complain about that? Well, maybe not enough. Well, probably, yeah, probably not enough, right? Okay, okay. Uh, so, so the the very short story, folks, is that volatility you it comes with the deal. If you're a stock investor, you can cut it down some by owning lots of stocks, and you can cut it down some by owning some bonds. You can't get rid of it, and you don't want to get rid of it. You get paid for that volatility. Okay, in the world, the more risk you take, the more return you're supposed to make. That's how it works, folks, okay? So you have to accept volatility if you're gonna own stocks, and you have to understand a bunch more things to get to that acceptance point of view. But the bottom line is, it comes with the deal Okay, get get used to it. Be prepared for it. There are things in your life that you can do to protect yourself against that volatility. We'll get to that towards the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, but but the short story is stocks go up or down and sometimes in a scary fashion. End of story. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't uh, we should mention, you know, the, the obvious is that that uh, the psychological impact of volatility, people don't like it, um, which is sort of one end of it. And then there's the other end, which I know we'll talk about, I'm sure toward the end of the show is that, you know, volatility is, you know, when you just say get used to it, it, it can also be a bad thing, right? I mean, if you're, if you're a saver in your 401k and adding money, uh, you know, when you're in your thirties or forties or even fifties, then volatility is not going to be that much of an issue for you. It's, it's most certainly an issue when you're in retirement and taking money out of a portfolio. So just, you know, we're not saying, Hey, uh, if you're, you know, 70 years old and, and need to take uh, 5% out of your investment portfolio, we're not saying that you should just throw it all in stocks and and uh, and just deal with the volatility because that can be sort of particularly uh, dangerous from an investment point of view. I just want to be clear, be clear on that. However, if you were 70 years old, didn't need that money ever for, for 15 years and or wanted to leave it to your grandkids, yeah. uh, I, I got another answer for you. So right. it depends on your circumstances and your situation and what you do and how you deal with it, folks. That, you know, the, the, you know it's really pretty easy. The markets are going to do what they're going to do. It's what you do about what they're doing 
that'll make or break you from an investment point of view, which is why we're trying to educate you about this stuff, folks. Okay, so anyway, so um, so yes, if you want to make money, to- it is pretty uncomplicated to say that over the long term, and by the way, I'll use 15 years, okay, for my long term, for the purposes of this show, my son, over okay. the long term, okay, anytime beyond 15 years with a diversified portfolio, okay, I'm, I'm going to strongly suggest that you can make your money in stocks, okay, uh, and then and I'm also suggesting that for the next five or 10 years, even though stocks are probably going to earn less, get to that, I'm pretty sure they're going to earn more than bonds for the next five or 10 years or 15, and you ought to be thinking about that. Yeah. Okay, so any any more before I go on there, my son? Is that all right? Nope. We only got 14 minutes here, so I, we should I, get to, uh, on page two. Did we get to page I, two yet? I got to the top of page two here, yeah. Okay, all right, so here we go. Okay, so let's very quickly uh, start, uh, okay, what with why the stock market goes up over the long run, okay? Uh, Folks, there's only one reason, okay, why a company grows in value over time, or in in the case of a stock market made up of bunches of companies, there's only one reason that the stock market over the long term goes up, and that's because the companies in that portfolio are making more and more money and becoming more and more valuable. Okay, folks, th- this is not rocket science if you play a long-term investor's game. Okay, if you can own, as an example, as maybe a warm and fuzzy one, the 500 biggest companies in the U.S., okay, there's a pretty good chance that you'll make some decent money for the rest of your life because it's been that way for the past your life. And, and, and let me kind of give you some examples of that. Uh, let's see. 70, Justin, 70, wait a minute now. Uh, 79. When were you born? What? 19? No. 79. You nailed 70, it. Yeah. April of With 79. confidence. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Folks, by the way, if you've got a computer nearby, go to a, a website. Well, the website's called Political Calculations. Don't get nervous. But if you Google S&P 500 at your fingertips, that's that's a link on that website. And that's the only thing I go there for. But anyway, so hang on. So 1979. So at this website, the S&P 500, okay, you can get to do some cool things with the U.S. stock market. So Justin was born in April of 79. You know what day? Okay. Okay, so from the month of your birth until December 2020. Okay, so by the way, on the day of your birth, the Standard and Poor's 500 price, if you bought the whole market, was $102.10. I'm sorry, I should have bought a whole bunch of stock for you, my son. What was I thinking at that time? Okay, or you should have saved all your money okay, and invested in the stock market. So anyway, so date of your birth, S&P 500, $102.10, okay? December 20, December 31st, 2020, $3,695.31. There you go. Okay, let's see, wait a minute, $102 on the day of birth, $3,695, one share yesterday. Anybody out there listening have a problem with with that number? But by the way, okay, during your lifetime, if you did not take the dividends from the S&P 500 and reinvested them, that's been an 11.89% per year return for your life, my son. Wow. Okay. If you were age one month and started spending the dividends and just just left it grow, but you're taking the dividends, okay, you earned a mere 9% per year on your money. For your lifetime. So, so by the way, uh, of of the almost 12% return, almost 3% was paid by dividends, sort of a thing. Okay. Okay. So, 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 th- so there you go. So, so in your, and folks, please do this on your own life. Okay. Or please do this for any period of time longer than 15 years. Just put in a date. Okay. End it in any date, you know, take any 15 year period you like. Okay, start with your date of birth. Start with your oldest kid. I, I don't care. Yeah. Okay, uh, th- th- this is what's happened. Okay, but, and by the way, I yeah. was born in May of 1948. Hang on. 
By the way, way, while while you're looking that up, I'll just, uh, I I don't know if you can hear my, uh, we are, we're zooming from home today and I don't know if you can hear my, my children in the background, but uh, if so, listeners out there, I do, I do apologize. I kept them up up late. Can you hear them? I I did hear a giggle or two, but that's all. It wasn't bad. (laughs) I wish those were, yeah, I wish they were giggles. Dad kept, kept them up a little bit late for movie night last night. So there you go. I guess it's on, it's on me anyway. Yeah. By the way, for my (laughs) lifetime, we're talking 72 years and change here. Okay. 11.34% per year with dividends reinvested. Okay. And 7.77% per year without dividends reinvested with some mighty exciting volatility all along the way there, folks. Okay. Okay. So folks, please, if you're thinking, if you get uncomfortable about the thought about owning some more stocks, just go take a look at this website, S&P 500 at your fingertips. Okay. Push a few buttons. Okay. And do it for longer. I'll get back to the 15 years in a little while here. Okay. Uh, Long-term is long-term. Okay. And if you're 70 years old and listening to this investment, show okay your your time frame is the rest of your life for your investments okay sort of a thing but anyway if you're a long-term investor it's pretty easy to see stocks growing higher by the way justin so here's here's the reason for this okay so on the date of my birth a share of the s p was 16 dollars and 15 cents okay mm-hmm. however the earnings were dollar 81 profits Okay, well, it's gone from $16 to the same 3695 Okay, well, but the earnings went from $1.81 to $95. Folks, if you got this magical box and it spits out $1.81 when you bought it, and if it's spitting out $95 right now, guess what? It's worth a whole lot more money <laughs> than when you bought it, and that's, that's what's going on here long-term capitalism is what rules and what allows companies to make money. And that's the driver, the only driver of long-term rates of return, okay, for companies. In the short term, there are some good and bad things that happen that can mess up that math temporarily, okay? And and then we need to kind of spend some time on that, my son. So, so let's see, in a perfect world, not that it's perfect, in a perfect world, mm-hmm. okay, okay, uh, let's see, the S&P 500 earnings are up 5% this year, your S&P 500 value should be 5%, okay? Yep. In a perfect world, your S&P 500 earnings, by the way, they go down once in a while, but not often and not a lot. Yeah. If, uh, if the earnings went down 2%, eh, then your stock return should be down 2%. Okay. In a perfect world, okay, the value of your stocks should absolutely reflect okay, the value of their earnings. Okay. Don't happen like that, folks. That's what makes it exciting. And that's why not everybody okay, uh, is a good investor. Okay. So at, in any given shorter period of time, good or bad things can happen that can take the stocks maybe higher than they should be worth if you just look at their dividends, okay, or lower than they should be worth if you just look at their intrinsic value. Can I use that word, my son? Okay, so a stock's intrinsic value should be directly proportional to its ability to earn money, but that's just not the way it happens, okay? Let's see. Uh, We have this mortgage and real estate crisis. Everybody in America is, is doing stupid stuff. Okay. And in 2007, eight, nine, okay. The stock market goes down 50% in some period of time, or, or we have elections. 2020 was a great year to talk about up and down movements of stuff. Okay. So, so at any given time, Okay, it's never a straight line. It should be a straight line, you know, price of the S&P 500 versus earnings of the S&P 500. Those two lines on a chart should be exactly the same. Never happens. Okay, you have these bad times when people get nervous or fearful. Okay, they sell their stocks. Okay, in the short term, the, the market is what's called a voting machine. If we have more people buying than selling, prices go up. If we have more people selling than buying, prices go down. That's the short-term movements of the stocks that are caused by God knows what good and bad events happen in the world. Okay. Well, everyone's trying to – right. So, I mean, if you, if you just – I think the volatility is caused by – 
the fact that everyone is forward looking, right? Everyone's trying to right. figure out. I mean, if you think of someone who's buying a stock, right? You know, someone who's buying Tesla is saying isn't just saying I want I want to buy Tesla's cash flow right now. What they're saying is, hey, I think Tesla is going to continue to grow like crazy, and I think everyone wants to own a Tesla. So I think that in the future it's going to be worth more, and so I'm going to go and buy it now uh, in anticipation of of the future earnings, right? So I mean, yeah. it, it's it's the it's the forward looking piece, yeah. right? If if the if if every company paid out all their earnings in the form of dividends, uh, I think you'd probably see you know less volatility with regards to the markets. But it just doesn't work that way, and everyone is, you know, kind of saying, "Oh, here's what I think is going to happen yeah. in the future," yeah. and then everyone, you know, those trends tend to be a lot more volatile than the actual earnings. Right? Yeah, and so. and here's the key point. Okay, so what effect did the person who bought that Tesla stock, Tesla stock, have on the future performance of Tesla? Right. Nothing. None. None, no, nothing. No. Okay, so so th thank you, my son. Okay, so what's going on in that forward-looking stock market is a bunch of people or institutions making some guesses about good or bad things. But thank God that is not connected to what te Tesla's actually going to do as a company. Right. Okay. Or, and, or yeah, or or in a very very except in extreme cases where the you know the no one wants to buy it and then you know they can't get loans. But yeah, for the yeah. most part, there's zero impact on the thank, price. Thank, has, stock price has zero impact. Thank you. Which is why we don't have a Wall Street Journal or a Barron's subscription, my son, in our offices because it's meaningless on the short-term stuff. If you're a long-term investor, if you understand the volatility, if you're educated, and if you got the time. Okay, sort of a thing. But so, so th thank you for making my point. Okay, what goes on in the stock market has no effect on the future value of companies. And sometimes when we get greedy and prices go higher, they come down. Okay, and some kind, oh, no, no, no. Okay, sorry about that. Who's Justin. calling? Who's calling? Okay. Oh, one of my fishing partners. But anyway, can you still hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Still there. Okay, so, so in, the, in the short term, okay, it, 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 you know, it affects the price, but in the end, okay, the market's going to reflect what the market does. So we have these periods of outperformance that go back to the mean, if we yep. want to get technical, and we have these periods of uh, bad good and bad performance. They go above the mean, they go below the mean, but the mean is determined by what the companies do. And what the market does. Okay. And so, you know, I, I don't care what price you bought the stock market at. Okay. If you held it long enough, you may have sold it during a good time or a bad time and made more or less money. But the, the fact that companies will continue to grow their earnings will always carry the value of stocks higher as long as that continues. And, and so you can bet on companies doing profits over the long run, okay, and ignore the volatility, or you can get sucked up in it and make some bad, bad asset moves or investment moves. Did I explain that okay, my son? So. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to get too much further, okay? I, I think I'll I think I'll leave with one example. I just made this up last week, Justin. You ready? All right, we'll okay, make it so quick. The stock market's like a tree. Okay, oh, imagine, wow. okay. imagine a tree yeah. growing. Big tree grows a long time. Okay, sometimes it has good weather and good climate and soil conditions, and sometimes it grows faster. And then sometimes it has bad weather and bad climate conditions and, you know, pesticides or whatever happened and it grows slower, yeah. but, it's, but it's always growing. Okay. Uh, and, and that's, that's what the stock market does as long as those companies can continue to make money. So okay. next week, okay. Or the, whenever the show airs again, we'll get into a bit more detail about stocks and what they might do and why you might consider owning more of them. And then we're going to get into some strategies Real life, real people, this is what you can do about this, that, or the other thing, and try to be helpful. But we, we have to lay this groundwork to make it make sense. So yeah, Justin, two, it'll be two weeks for us. Yeah, okay. Why don't you sign off, my son? I think we're just about done. Yeah, I think we do have to go get going. All right, hey, thank you for listening out there. Everybody stay safe. And uh, Alyssa and Kirk will be back next week, and we'll be back in two. Take care. Take care.